Good afternoon to you. Ah, uh, good afternoon, Glenn, and good afternoon to the listeners at home. Unjan. So fortunately you told me to I no 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 I'm with it. I know it's two thousand. It's not gonna then you might end up saying that. Welcome to the show and obviously um you know breast cancer is very dangerous disease. A lot of people don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people are scared to check themselves um, and are even scared to go to a doctor to, to get a proper checkup, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because we're always scared of, of the bad news. But like they say, you know, prevention is always better, better than cure. You know, it's better to know mm-hmm. during the early stages mm-hmm. of, you know, of cancer so that, you know, um, you give yourself a chance to, to survive. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more, the um, Glenn, because I think in our country, basically, our women are f- uh, they fear rejection than death, mm. which is the saddest part. Yeah. So, uh, talk to us about uh, the work done by the Tobega Madibazuma Foundation. What's the role of the foundation, and why did you decide to focus on breast cancer? I think for me, uh, Glenn, as much as my background is finance, having studied the BCom degree, yes. I realized that in our country, for our country to move forward, you know, as a, a developing country mm. and for it to grow, it needs a healthy workforce. And without a healthy workforce, you know, you wouldn't be able to achieve economic growth that Absolutely. is desired by the country to take us to a level whereby, you know, we can be considered as a developed country. So it is important. it was important that one looks at what are the issues that are really affecting our people? Why are they dying? And why also are they staying at home sick? And I looked at the disease burden, mm. you know, facing our country and I think for me, you know, this disease in particular, as you say, that it's still taboo to this end, which I was yeah. hoping it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I felt it was important that one gives it the face. And I think at the time, which was 2009, having found myself in a position of being the first lady of the country, I had to then say what it is that I wanted to do, what was my passion. And I chose health. And in particular to say, you know, uh, gone are the times when women are now going to be at the bottom of the priorities. Yes. Let's take our women's health to the top of the agenda of, of the heads of state and ensure that, you know, the issues that are affecting them, you know, and their health are given the priority that it deserves because we agree sitting here that you are all born by women and yeah. mothers and yeah. they are cornerstones of their homes. Yeah. And it was important for me then to choose this path to say, you know, um, let me start a foundation. And I think the reason why I started a foundation was I was looking beyond just the term of the president at that time. Um, he was the head of state. And I, I, I thought to myself, then we must start something which is going to only last, you know, for, for the term of office. Yeah. Uh, let me do the, start the foundation so that even beyond his term of office, I could still do this work, which is what I'm doing now. And I then started the foundation, which is strong on advocacy. Um, raising awareness, educating our communities, paying particular focus in um, the rural communities because that's where, you know, there's very limited access to information, to education, to people being aware about these diseases. And it's still, as you said, taboo to talk about them. And especially, you know, diseases like um, cancer, they equated to witchcraft. So it was important for us to take it to the rural communities to educate our women about these diseases, but not only our women, um, their families as well. 
because it's very important that we educate the families so that they can provide the necessary support. So I'm sure when you were the first lady, obviously, you know, you 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 were not able to focus on on uh, on the on your foundation 100%. I take it now yes, you yes. have ample time to focus on it. You are able to travel, mm-hmm. and obviously, it's not easy traveling in 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 rural areas. And obviously, you also need to work with people. Uh, mm-hmm. what, do you have an office? Where are you? Where are you based? We're based in Durban, uh, but we cover the entire um, country. Uh, we don't limit ourselves to our base, which is Durban, primarily Durban. And as you correctly put it, yes, before you know. Uh, my responsibilities or rather my Mm. you know i had to divide myself between the official spousal duties as well as you know the foundation and what had to be my primary focus then was the official duties that when duty calls you have to avail yourself and the foundation then became secondary but now you know one has ample time to look at even those things that one could not do at the time and I, I think I'm, I'm I'm quite happy with the fact that now you know all my attention is devoted to the work and and it's my passion it's, it's what I love doing and I mean you know I mean we know that you're doing this obviously from the bottom of your heart but obviously to run something like this mm-hmm. costs a lot of money it does you know people <laughs> don't care whether you know you're helping the community you help mm-hmm. you're also helping the country in a sense that it also affects the economy of the country mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. don't go to mm-hmm. work absolutely you know uh, most homes in in South Africa are headed by women mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. women are very important so mm-hmm. how do you survive do you pay salaries do you have pe- do you have people who work for you uh yes uh, Glenn. um i think for me for most npos and ngos in mm. the space um the biggest challenge has been the resources yeah. to implement and roll out all these amazing programs that we have um f- funding has been limited mm. and also i've just been channeled to fighting um infectious diseases your hiv AIDS and, and, you know, TB control in our country. Not so much um, the non-communicable diseases. But I think um, the tide turned when we attended the General Assembly in New York when the heads of state said, let's stop, let's look at the non-communicable diseases. And I think for me, having belonged to the Forum of African First Ladies Against Breast and Cervical Cancer then, it was the biggest, I think, achievement for us to say, you know, we our proximity to power and to our 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 husbands as the head of state mm. we could advocate at home we didn't need to make appointments with them and we were able to we were successful in ensuring that it it gets the attention it deserves because the non-communicable diseases are diseases that you know didn't get their attention and i think at that highest level you know anything that gets the the political will or support it's likely to succeed because when they they then looked at the non-communicable disease they committed to to say that when they departed from new york and go to their respective countries they were now going to ensure that the non-communicable diseases are also at the top of the agenda and also what are significant of significance was that you know a, a holistic approach was necessary that no disease should be looked at in isolation of the other and that was important that you know the very same approach that was used to deal and respond to the challenge yeah. which was posed by HIV AIDS to stop it from becoming a public health threat should now be devoted to fight also the non-communicable diseases because when you look at the amount of money spent by our, our government in, in terms of the budget to deal and respond only being reactive and not being proactive was so huge that it now is exceeding even the HIV AIDS. So, um, 
the most of the funding for NGOs um, yes. comes from a lot of American billionaires, uh, the American government. Obviously, there's a guy called Trump who's always threatening people that he'll cut funding. Um, is his presence... <laughs> Is his presence, uh, you know, making it difficult for for people to get funding? Because he, he's always threatening mm. to cut funding every day. We are mm. Mozart, you know, mm-hmm. I'll cut funding, I'll cut funding. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose for me, I don't really think that um, the funding only comes from America. Mm, mm. Uh, funding comes from all the countries, from Switzerland, wherever, mm, you Sweden, know. Yeah. Yes, um, it comes um, from Europe. It comes from everywhere. And um, I think... Um, you know, America is just part of, and we've never really focused on, on okay. getting funding from there. It has mainly been philanthropic, you know, people that yeah. be not believe in this cause. And, you know, every second person that you talk to, Glenn, fa- you find that they've been touched by this disease directly or indirectly. Mm. And so, therefore, you would get those individuals that are willing to support the cause. And, you know, you'd be lucky if you, you get big funding, but we haven't been that fortunate, I must say. And that is an inhibiting factor, you know, to, to as I said, before to roll out these amazing programs that we have. Okay, excellent. And um, what are the future plans for your foundation? The future plans is really to continue to look at the gaps that exist in our healthcare mm-hmm. system. And I think for me, one of them is the retraining of the, our health workers. Okay. And we've we've drawn um, lessons from how countries like Cuba have managed to actually, you know, reduce the, the, the incidence of, of HIV to something like 1%, mm, which mm. is insignificant. And I, I looked at that model and I said to myself, okay, how did they make it? Mm. And I, um, it was easy and it was simple. It's, it's within our reach. And that's healthcare workers yeah. that would profile each community and each household, you know, to look at the disease bed and facing that particular household and ensure that while they create education, they also profile that family to know who has chronic illness and also in terms of screening, scaling up screening. So healthcare workers have been in the answer for Cuba. But also, you know, we would meet annually um, and, and, and exchange expertise and, and lessons learned and ta- come back, tailor make them to suit our own respective countries and not really say, I'm going to take as is and apply it in my country because each country is different and the burden of disease is also different uh, for each country. Yeah, and I think, you know, speaking about health workers, personality is also important you know you hear stories of people women who've been raped Mm. and they don't even bother to report cases because Mm. when they go to police stations they're ridiculed Mm. you know like some people will Mm. say when Mm. they go to hospitals Mm. they're treated badly Mm. they're discriminated Mm. against Mm. i think that that's one thing that also has to change so um and what is your message to uh, women and men because breast cancer also affects men uh, you know, this month. <laughs> Not only does it affect men, I think for me, we, we need to, as women, look at men as our doctors at home to say, mm. can you check my breasts? Mm. You know, do you, mm. can you notice the difference if there's any change? You know, let's call on women to say, let's be in partnership in responding to this because men need to be educated. I found that when you go to the rural areas, Glenn, mm. you'll be shocked that when a woman um, stands up and says, you know, I discovered that my breast was affected by breast cancer and, and my husband told me that when he paid Lobola mm. and those cows yeah. were for a woman with both breasts and yeah. now that I'm going to lose one breast, he's done with me. Ignorance and you know, insensitivity. And yeah, yeah, I, I know it sounds upset, but that's what no, we've come sure. across when you go to the rural areas and it was important therefore to, you know, to educate everyone 
um, and ensure also that because one of the risk factors is smoking, to ensure that women, men are empowered with the knowledge to say don't smoke in the presence of your family because you're exposing them. If they're secondary smokers, they then are more at risk you know, of getting these cancers. So yeah, we educate men as well and women and empower them with knowledge on how to respond because one thing is that becomes difficult that when you get hit by this you don't know what to do and also for me what is uh, we've been lobbying um for is the reduction of the cost of medicines for um life-saving medicines we're no longer talking about the, the medicines that are going to prolong your life but we're looking for medicines that are, are, are going to save the lives of our people and also lobbying for ensuring that these medicines are produced here in our country there's no reason why we shouldn't we should go outside of the country and pay you know exorbitant uh, fees because for me it has changed from life-saving to profit-making putting profits before the lives of our people because you'll be shocked when I tell you that for one woman to be treated for breast cancer it would cost 250,000 per person in a public health care setting and when you go private it's double the amount and I don't think that is acceptable and I think our government needs to do a lot to ensure that they force these pharmaceutical com- companies to bring down the cost of medication and also to look and zoom into the medical aids because you'd be shocked that there are people who only discover when they are sick and diagnosed with this disease that there's an exclusion um, uh, 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 basically clause to say that we cannot cover this type of medication and I think for me this is what our government should look out for to ensure that our people are protected, those that are fortunate to be in medical aids. But also in public health care settings, our women need to have access to treatment, life-saving and quality drugs. Such a pleasure having you in our studio, Tobega Madiba Zuma, former first lady on the Glanzito Superdrive. Good having you. Thank you so much. Thank mm. you for having me. Don't be surprised. I'm going to talk to myself now. I'm going to talk to myself now.